Today, listeners, we have Shanti Rubens on our show. In 2010, he decided that he no longer wanted to practice law in a traditional sense and started traveling while working remotely as a lawyer. Shanti created products pertaining to law in Australia and figured out how to market them. Now he runs Legal Zebra, which provides legal templates and advice. Shanti decided he wanted to create a passive business while traveling and has cracked the SEO code to make Legal Zebra an evergreen passive business. We'll be talking to Shanti about how he made this happen. Shanti, welcome to the show, my friend. Hi there, Chris. How are you doing? Fantastic. And you're reporting live from where this morning? From Byron Bay, my hometown in Australia. I'm here spending some time with my mother. Excellent. Shanti, so tell us a little bit about your background as an attorney in Australia and why you decided you wanted to leave the traditional model of being an attorney. Okay, Chris. Yeah, so I I had been a very traditional attorney. I'd worked in big firms with 150 lawyers wearing a suit every day, filing myself away in the top floor of a big city building. Um, And it wasn't really me. I couldn't see myself doing it for the rest of my life. I looked at some of the partners in the firm, and whilst they might have been wealthy financially, they didn't seem happy. (laughs) And it wasn't the sort of wealth that I aspired to. Uh, I wanted adventure in my life. I wanted freedom. And ever since I'd been 18 or 19, I'd been on big adventures uh, through Southeast Asia that I absolutely loved. And it's always been a dream of mine to be able to earn an income and travel at the same time. And I actually didn't think it would be possible. When I was uh, in my early 20s, it was was still something I had in mind. And I didn't really know how I'd ever make it happen. Mm -hmm. And, of course, technology's changed and new opportunities have opened up. So I'm thrilled that this is now a reality. How long were you an attorney for before you decided to make that leap, Shanti? Uh, I worked for other people for about five years and then I run my own business for about eight years Mm -hmm. and I ran that in Melbourne. And uh, so that was in 2010 that I decided, okay, it's time not to come back from short holidays and just take my laptop with me and make the holiday or the travel at least a permanent thing. And at that stage, I was willing to take the risk. I thought, well, if I don't have work and my clients don't want to continue to use me because I'm traveling, that's fine because I have an online business that I really want to start. And Mm -hmm. so I even was back in 2010 that I had this concept of legal zebra. But it took four years of, of traveling and working before I finally got time to work on legal zebra because... Zebra or zebra? They say zebra in America. Zebra. Sorry, zebra. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we say zebra in Australia. Um, Yeah, so the clients stuck with me whilst I traveled. There was sort of no drop-off in my legal practice, which Mm -hmm. meant that I had to be very disciplined to try and find the time whilst traveling to to start Legal Zebra. And so let's go back, Shanti, to to where when you decided to stop working for other people and started working for yourself as an attorney. What made you make that shift? Um, I'd like to say it was bravery and (laughs) (laughs) self-belief. But it was the truth is, Chris, it was none of those things. And when I look back, I'm actually ashamed. 
I didn't think I would be able to generate business on my own. I'd worked in a big firm and I thought it was the, uh, the name of the firm that pulled in the clients. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a few matters that I hadn't completed when I left the firm. And mostly they were for clients that I'd brought in initially or I had the primary relationship with. So I thought to myself, look, I, I've probably got a two or three week run with these clients. I'll, uh, I'll handle those matters personally once I left the firm and I said to the clients, you know, you're happy for me to look after your matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've left the firm or we'll, we'll finish this work off. And so that two or three weeks, uh, it just never stopped. I just had a, a full desk of client files, uh, just as I did when I was in the law firm. And that was, that was totally unexpected. And in fact, clients seemed happier to use me, since I'd backed myself and decided I was going to go out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that was unknown to me, but they they found that, I think, more appealing than hiring me at a big firm. The thing about commercial law, Chris, is you never know what's around the corner. Yeah. Um, your clients don't have an even flow of work, so you don't know what transaction you're going to be working on in three months' time. Right. But it's somehow stayed busy over all these years. Were there any challenges with the clients that left the firm to come work with you um, <laughs> with the firm? <laughs> Anything you want to share? <laughs> uh, no, no, that, that was okay. I mean, the clients that came with me, I wasn't subject to any restraints. Okay. The clients that came were ones that I had the primary relationship with. Okay. Uh, so it wasn't as though I was taking anybody else's work. Okay. But I, I will say the clients that I started out with were, were not the best clients. Over the years, I've kind of gotten better at, at finding people that align more closely to my ethic, as yeah. my mum likes to say, water finds its own level. It's <laughs> a good quote. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate now. I work with people who, who share my ethos. Uh-huh. And as a lawyer, you, you have to advocate for your client, whether you believe in their interests or not. Uh, it's a hell of a lot more enjoyable when you do actually believe in their interests and they are doing good things in the world. And so now it's an absolute pleasure to support my clients. They're, they're people I believe in and they're people who treat other people well. So it makes uh, doing work for them actually enjoyable. That's a really good point, Shanti, because we, we had another a woman who stayed in the house and she was uh, an attorney working remotely from Sweden and she was having that exact problem. She she didn't like her clients that much, and so she would just outsource them and then take a, a bit of it and send the, the work to other attorneys. But she was kind of stuck in that model of like, you know, she was sick and tired. She'd been an attorney for eight years, and she was just sick and tired of working with the clients that she didn't like. But you kind of just, I guess, naturally from understanding yourself on what you liked working on and what you didn't like working on kind of just fell in that mode is that how it happened i think it's a bit of a filtration process Mm -hmm. um you know over time i've established relationships with some clients and their part personal part professional um you know they all know that i love to travel they know that i'm passionate about yoga they know that i i examine legal matters from an emotional as well as a commercial perspective. So I try and give them some insight into how the other party might be feeling and Mm. what's going to be strategically advantageous. 
Um, a lot of what we do as commercial lawyers is negotiation, and negotiation is having that insight into people. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, the discussions are often very personal um, and can, you can get quite deeply involved in people's lives. And I think when that happens, you either connect or you don't connect. And if you do connect, then they find more work for you to do. They bring you in on transactions. They seek out your advice. And they refer you too, huh? And they refer other people who are like-minded. So I've been fortunate that that's happened as well. That's great. I've never heard an attorney say, I work with like-minded clients before, which is phenomenal. So you had your own office? Yeah, I had a beautiful office by the beach Uh uh, in Port Melbourne. I spent uh, a lot of time decking it out. Uh It's kind of my dream office. And I'd try and get clients into the office so that I could impress them with my nice boardroom. (laughs) Um, But frankly, they didn't care. They, They prefer to call me. Yeah, well, they're like, "Oh, come, you come and see me." I, you know, to see where my business is operating from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I sort of realized that law had changed, and I didn't have a super impressive office, you know, with guys in waistcoats bringing coffee uh, <laughs> in the boardroom. So I was never going to compete in that way. It's, I think, in small practice, it's more about the the personal relationships. Mm-hmm. And the facade and the branding of a big law firm um, wasn't the reason anyone was going to see me. So uh, that was actually a positive thing because I realized I could, you know, I could leave all of that behind and just focus on the work. Mm -hmm. And uh, with commercial law, you tend to deal with the same clients on a repeat basis. So once you develop that relationship, it doesn't matter so much how you dress or where you are. I think they're just focused on the quality of service and advice. Good point. Yeah, so that freed me up to, to well, actually, the reason I didn't leave until 2010 was I had this office lease, and once that expired, uh, I tied up all my loose ends back in Australia, and I was free to roam, and I didn't really know where I'd end up. It was sort of literally one of those journeys where you know, you pull up to an airport and you look at the uh, display board. <laughs> you did that. Yeah, I, I was in the <laughs> embassy in uh, Vietnam, about to go to to China and the Chinese embassy, trying to get my Chinese visa. And mm-hmm. I, I um, sat down because it was a hot day in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And the, the Chinese embassy guard said, stand up, no, no sitting in the Chinese embassy. So the next day I took a flight to Spain instead. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. And Shanti, so you knew before your lease expired on your office that you were going to become remote, correct? Yeah, I'd been taking trips that were one or two months. Um, usually in January I'd go away for a couple of months because, well, not much happens in Australia over Christmas and January. Mm-hmm. And I was always resentful coming back home to the office. I wanted to keep traveling. Uh, and I would have my laptop with me. I'd, you know, I'd do some work while I was away. So clients had become accustomed to it. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a massive stretch for them when I said, okay, I'm, I'm leaving for an indefinite period. And what did that feel like for you when you finally closed the doors to the office, moved everything out, and then you're ready to start a new life as a remote traveling attorney? 
it was it was brilliant. Uh, um, you know, it was <laughs> it was one of the best turning points in my life. Uh, I'm still incredibly grateful. Did you have any fears when that happened? Um, I I consulted with my mentor, and he said you're very brave. So what I understood from that is you're completely stupid. <laughs> was his way of saying you're taking a massive risk here. Uh-huh. But I've always sort of believed that you should do what you're passionate about um, and take risks in life and back yourself. And that was what I was doing. Yeah, look, if I hadn't done that, I, you know, I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't have the freedom that I have today. Was your mentor an, an attorney? Uh, he's a, an accountant, okay. a very successful accountant who's probably 15, 20 years my senior. Okay. Uh, he practiced accounting for many, many years and uh, had a very successful practice. Okay. So he knew what it meant to, to run a professional services business. Gotcha. And what does he think of you now that you've been traveling for some years, working remotely and have everything kind of set up for you where you can live life how you want to on your terms? Oh, he thinks it's brilliant. Yeah. He's seen my website. He's referred clients to me. Um, yeah, I, I just think that he wasn't so aware of the possibilities and neither was I, frankly, I I felt like I was taking a huge risk and, you know, does this really work? Do people really make money online? Mm -hmm. Um, because when I left, the idea was I would take my legal business on the road Mm -hmm. and start an online legal business. And I, I really thought that the, um, the traditional, one-to-one legal services that I was providing would drop off. I thought clients wouldn't stay with me if I wasn't in Australia, which would give me time to start Legal Zebra. Yeah. Um, But that's not so much what happened. I was still busy with the one-to-one client work, but I really wanted something that would be more passive and something creative where instead of doing work that's one-to-one, I could create a product that many people could enjoy and benefit from. Okay, and so today you have Legal Zebra running as an evergreen passive business. Correct. And you crack the SEO code on how to make it a, a evergreen passive business. And do you want to share a little bit about how you made that happen? Yeah, it's been quite a process. You know, when I started, I didn't have um, many mentors in the online business space. I was listening to a lot of podcasts, uh, I was reading a lot of blogs, and a lot of the people that I followed, they had sort of more community followings, mm-hmm. and they talked a lot about social media, uh, so I thought social media was a good opportunity for my business. And I was also trying uh, Google AdWords, I spent a lot of money initially on AdWords for my business because... Um, I wasn't ranking at all when I first started. It was very difficult to rank on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found spending money on AdWords was really difficult, almost impossible to get a return in my niche because there's a lot of lawyers advertising. They're willing to spend a lot of money um, to get clicks on a keyword because generally they'll sell legal services, so right. they can probably make a much higher return on investment than what I can selling a legal template. My templates all sell for under $100. Um, 
So that was difficult. Um, I also found that people weren't interested in being part of a, a legal templates community. Yeah. Legal templates are things that you you want at a particular time. Like let's say you're entering into a partnership arrangement, you might want a shareholders agreement. Um, and you might only do that once in your life. So you don't you don't really want to be part of a community that talks about that on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, at least that that's what I found. There are other people in this industry who've made a business out of creating a, a Facebook following and, and then selling legal templates to them on the occasion that that person in the community might want something. But I've I've thought about it differently. I thought this is a this is really an SEO business or a search business. People mm-hmm. search for the legal document they want um, at that particular time, and then I liken it to selling fish. Um, so I've got like a three day window before before the fish goes off. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't you know if you don't make that sale whilst the customer has a fresh interest for that product. Um, you'll probably never make the sale. Right. So I thought really what I need to do is double down. At some point I started getting some uh, natural ranking of my pages on the search engine and that was really uh, a really positive, inspiring sign for me. So I thought, okay, I need to double down on whatever's working here uh, and try and build this business through SEO. How long did that take you to start getting seeing results being ranked, Shanti? Uh, well, actually, it happened very quickly for some products, but not others. Mm-hmm. It happened quickly for products that I was giving away because initially I offered some products free. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gave me a bit of an insight that probably the fact that something's free means more people are engaging with the page, which means Google's seeing that that page is, is getting a favorable response um these are all assumptions by the way i mean i really don't know how google works i'm just um making some assumptions but i I saw that those pages started to rank more highly where i offered something for free Mm -hmm. and you started did you start that when you were in the entrepreneur house uh i'd started probably a couple of years before i did the entrepreneur's house okay gotcha so you started to rank and were you doing all the SEO work on your own, Shanti, or were you outsourcing some of it and having other people doing it? Uh, initially, I had someone help me select some keywords, mm-hmm. and I, I really didn't get value out of that. I spent $1,000 on a, some keyword analysis. Um, I don't think it really told me anything much that I couldn't have worked out myself. I guess she did find some more long-tail keywords, because at the beginning, it was easier to rank for long-tail keywords. I wasn't going to rank uh, on the more popular keywords. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I really, I guess, taught myself. Um, one of the strategies I used was to find a keyword in my niche that nobody else was trying to rank for. And then I had an article written about that particular keyword. Uh, and I made it, you know, a sexy title that people would be likely to click on and there's a good image there. Mm-hmm. And that ended up pretty quickly becoming the most popular page on my website. So I'd call these the sort of like keyword gaps, if you like, that other people aren't chasing. Mm-hmm. So if you can, I use a tool called SEMrush, S-E-M-Rush. 
it'll tell you for your keyword similar keywords that people are searching on and uh, if you can find one of those keywords that you can write an article about it's it's a great opportunity and so of course from that page I, pu I pushed to my product page excellent is that simrush.com correct okay and so how long would it say it took you to kind of go from starting Legal Zebra to being Evergreen Passive? It's sort of by nature a fairly passive business. It's it's been it's been Evergreen in a sense. Also, you know, from the outset, I guess the the question is how long has it been? How long did it take to get it to a stage where it's a decent livable income? Mm -hmm. Is that what you mean? Yeah, correct. Um, it, it's only now it turned that corner. In the last probably couple of months, mm -hmm. where it sort of is now at a, a decent livable income. And you started working on it how long ago, Shanti? Uh, I started in 2014. Okay. So it's been a couple of years, but I've only been working on it part time. Uh, I'm still working pretty much full time. Okay. On my other business, which is Rubens Legal, the one-to-one -one client service. Okay. And I, I've just been working on Legal Zebra um, in my spare time. Um, or <laughs> it's not really spare time. You might recall when I was in the entrepreneur's house with you in Chiang Mai. Mm -hmm. I think I had one day off in a month. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I remember we would try to get together for lunch for about four weeks and we never made it happen. Because you were so busy. Well, I was busy too, to be fair. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, I've, I've uh, it's been a side hustle, but I've worked really hard at it. And I pretty much say I've probably just kind of stumbled my way through and made enough mistakes and tried enough things that I've been able to find some things that work. Yeah. And then double double down on those. Um, so it hasn't been a super quick journey. And it is, I wouldn't say it's a, a fabulous niche. Um, the whole time I haven't felt like I'm selling hotcakes. Yeah. You know, there's a, a million free legal templates that anyone can find uh, at an instant on Google. So in order to make this business work, um, I've had to work really hard. Well, I, I think, Shanti, that's incredibly impressive because you, part-time, you kind of dabbled in, things for a couple years to build a passive business and I think anybody that wants a passive business would say that's pretty impressive or that has a passive business because you're not working at it full-time for two years I know a lot of entrepreneurs that work at their business full-time for two years and they don't they, they can't figure out how to even make money or how to make it passive you know and so I think that's really impressive so hats off to you thanks Chris yeah it's been a bit of a chicken and an egg scenario because I've wanted it to be more successful uh, earlier than it has been, um, but I've also not been making enough money out of it to, to throw all my time and energy into it because mm -hmm. obviously there's an opportunity cost. If I'm working on Legal Zebra, it's, it's time that I'm not spending on my other business um, mm -hmm. where I've got you know real customers already who are paying me at a good rate as a lawyer. So it, it's been a matter of sort of substituting time out of out of the uh, Rubens legal business and into Legal Zebra. And if I was braver, I probably would have just thrown down the gauntlet and, and put all my time into it from the outset. But I wanted it I wanted to see it perform a little bit 
before I would spend too much time and energy on it. Mm-hmm. And with the SEO, sometimes I would do something uh, and nothing would happen for six months. And then all of a sudden, the work that I'd done six months ago uh, would, would kick in and I'd find that I was making a whole lot of sales out of blue. Mm, so I think, you know, creating good pages is beneficial because those pages start to float to the top over time. Right. That's been my experience of how Google works. I, I think if a page is um, perhaps getting a lot of clicks, it starts to float. Mm-hmm. So by figuring out kind of the SEO process, Shanti, if you were to make another business or to redo this, remake this process, how much time do you think it would take you? Chris, when I started Legal Zebra, I didn't know... Uh, I was afraid of WordPress. I didn't know how to build a site. Um, I couldn't have told you the difference between CSS and HTML and you know JPEGs and PNGs. And this was all just weird science to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, after a few years working with all this stuff, it's all second nature. And you know now I understand how um, how to rank pages. Um, if I had to start the whole thing again, or I'm actually working on a new business now, everything is just coming together so quickly. It's it's just fabulous. I know exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I've you know I've made all the mistakes already. I've found tools that I love to work with, mm-hmm. and it's a really quick process. So you know, I'd say to anybody who's working on this stuff, you've kind of got to allow for the fact that you're not just starting a business; you're starting an education. Yeah, great point. Very good point. So, Shanti, you also mentioned that um, I think a big shift for you was spending more time around other successful business owners or other successful online business owners. Um, How did that kind of shift your mindset or make a difference in in building this business? That's been massive. That's been huge for me, uh, having other people to just hang out with and well it's just beneficial on so many levels first of all um you get the technical strategic advice Mm -hmm. you know people look at your business and uh they might look at your website and give you some really direct feedback but but i think probably one of the major things is just having other people who are successful online They're, they're making serious amounts of money um working completely online it's just given me the confidence to believe that it's possible in my business mm-hmm. and that it's and, you know that it's worth investing in online business and it's worth understanding how it works and developing an education in this sector um and i, I love it you know it's it's inspiring the, the people that i've met uh, through things like Dynamite Circle and uh, being at your entrepreneur's house in Chiang Mai. They're great people, not, not just as business people but as, as human beings and individuals because they're people who are courageous, um, they're people who want to live life on their own terms and they're usually very generous. Everyone in this community, I mean, most of us are working fairly much alone mm-hmm. or in small teams so people have been really eager to, you know, to form connections, to reach out, um, to help each other out. 
And that's been great. I've really needed that because there aren't many people in my own community back home in Melbourne who have online businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's very isolating. It's, you're spending time in front of a computer on your own. <laughs> and there's so many, there's been so many days I'm like, am I completely nuts? What, what <laughs> you know, my mum my and my sister and my close friends, they've all looked at me like, you are completely wasting your time on this business. You have a good, good income as a lawyer. Why are you messing around with this online stuff? Mm-hmm. I don't think any of them have actually believed it until sort of very recently that it started to kick in as a good income. I don't think, you know, I don't think they thought it was possible to make money online. So when you've got those sort of um, voices in your head and in your everyday reality, I, I think it's super important to have um, other contemporaries and peers who are telling you, you know, how they're making tens of thousands of dollars each week uh, with their online businesses. So you, you sort of, you can see that that's a real possibility. Yeah, it is. It is pretty amazing when you surround yourself with, I guess you could call it your tribe or like-minded people, because that's when things also started taking off for me. I was living in in Costa Rica on the beach, you know, and I had quote unquote the dream life. And we would surf a couple times a week and then work. We had a two bedroom house there and work at home. And from the outside looking in, it looked perfect. But for me, like something was missing um, deep inside of me. And it was that like-minded community. And it wasn't until I went to Spain and started doing, you know, the entrepreneur houses and connecting with other DCers and online entrepreneurs and everything changed for me including my happiness level believe it or not you know I had this life where I could live in Peru and Costa Rica and I'd hike the Camino de Santiago and kind of go anywhere I want and I wasn't unhappy but I wasn't as happy as I am today if that makes sense (laughs) yeah likewise totally I sort of felt like I had this dream lifestyle um, Mm -hmm. traveling the world working but I was really doing it on my own yeah yeah. And now that I've connected with this community, I'm meeting up with uh, other digital nomads all over the world. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. And you mentioned earlier, Shanti, some of the, the discipline that it takes to, to be an entrepreneur while traveling. What are some, some daily practices you do to keep your discipline or weekly practices? I do a lot of yoga and meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yoga is something I've been doing for about 20 years. So that that really keeps me sane and keeps me healthy. Um, In terms of discipline, I guess I'm very driven. You know, I I want to make something work. If I if I take on a challenge, I want to make it work. And with Legal Zebra, I put so much time in that I just refused to let it fail. I thought if this fails, I will have wasted all of this time. Mm -hmm. So there are many times when I thought, look, maybe I should just give up now. You know my losses and um what do they say quit while you're behind (laughs) (laughs) okay but i i didn't i just kept going and you know i I probably got this sort of irrational drive to make something work um so yeah i I think it just takes a lot of uh a lot of patience a lot of self-belief and also, it's not such a bad thing. The great thing with an, uh, particularly an evergreen business is I've been able to drop it for three or six months at a time and mm-hmm. not focus on it at all. And you don't go backwards. You probably still go ahead and then, you know, pick it up again with fresh eyes. Nice. 
So I, I think that's an important process is not to get too close um, and lose your objectivity. Yeah, probably for me, the discipline has been just about having the staying power of, of you know, not uh, not running too hard or too fast, but just continuing to hack away at it. Nice. And, and you shared with me the amount of money you're making with Legal Zebra, and, and it's impressive for a passive business. Are you reinvesting some of that money into the business, or are you just keeping it to put it on the side and use for a rainy day, or how are you handling that? Well, no, I'm not reinvesting, uh, because that's the beautiful thing about this business, mm -hmm. selling online products, is you don't really have any capital expenditure. Once you've covered your hosting costs and uh, your e-commerce tools and what have you, mm -hmm. um, you know, which usually have a fairly low monthly spend, uh, the rest is just upside. That's that's the beautiful thing about info products. Mm -hmm. There's no cost of production, um, and I haven't really been hiring people, so I'm not sort of throwing money back into the hiring process. But I am starting to invest in another business in a similar space. But again, that's mainly it's mainly time and energy. And I think one of the things I've learned is that throwing money at a problem is not always a solution. Mm -hmm. When I first started this business, I spent $11,000 on a web designer. <laughs> and the only thing that I've retained from that, they built me a WordPress site that I never used. Oh, wow. um, the only thing I retained was the logo. And that's when I was, I was, I thought this, this site's not really useful to me. It already looks outdated. I, uh, I can't make any changes without going back to the web designer, which is incredibly slow and expensive. So that's when I thought I need to teach myself how to use these tools. Yeah. And that's been an invaluable process. And it's also gotten easier over the years. I mean, yeah. You know, the tools are getting easier and easier every year. So... Yeah, it's not, it's not so much a, a financial investment. It's an ongoing investment of time and energy. You know, it blows my mind how much money people spend on web designers a lot of times. And a lot of times it's worth it depending on your business. But a lot of times it's, if you're starting out, it's just kind of a, a money suck. It can be. Did you get another designer to create your website now or did you build your own website or how'd that work out? Uh, I've, the current website I've built myself. Nice. Yeah, so I, I never actually launched with the initial website that I paid a designer to develop. You know, I realized I'd be better with a very basic words, uh, website that I could actually make changes to myself yeah. than a fancy website from a designer that was, you know, completely um, fixed. Yeah. Because as a marketer, really this is what you're doing. You're an online marketer. You've got to be continually testing and changing things yeah. and developing it. So I think you sort of need to be able to do that yourself. Shanti, do you enjoy the SEO process and keyword research process? Um, yeah, I guess I do. It's well, Mostly it's writing, really. Yeah. So I realized at some point that the, the way to rank uh, is actually have a great page rather than a great website. So I've, I've just put a lot of energy into creating really long useful pages yeah and that's good it's you know it's a it's a process of writing i'm writing about a topic that i that i know about and understand and i enjoy trying to communicate that knowledge in very everyday language 
that's going to be accessible to my audience. Mm-hmm. But I don't write a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to be very efficient. You know, there's people I see who have these blogs with so much content, but unless that content's actually driving to a particular product that you're selling, um, you're really just spending a lot of time. Yeah, good point. Any other tips or tricks you want to share about SEO? My strategy's been to find as many elements to put on the page as possible. So, for example, on my pages, I've got a few images. Uh, sometimes I have a video. Um, I've also got PDF downloads. A lot of H1, H2 tags with my keywords included uh, multiple times in the headings. Um, and a lot of words on the page. And the way to do that without making it sort of unattractive to the reader is to condense and uh, and put things under relevant headings. So I've got a plugin that I use, um, Thrive Themes, which has a table of contents feature. Mm-hmm. So that's been great. So at the start of the page, there's a table of contents and I might have 10 headings on the page. Uh, so it doesn't look difficult to read. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look content heavy, but there's a huge amount of content on the page, and I think that's what's making it rank. Nice. And you know, it's tremendous when you get a page ranking in the first one, two, or, or three spots on Google. The, it's a total game changer. It means you've suddenly got volume, um, which you're able to test on. Because the problem I had initially was I didn't have enough volume on my keywords to really run any meaningful tests. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really worth spending a lot of time, um, you know, trying to upgrade pages or run an improved marketing strategy when I didn't have enough search volume. Mm-hmm. Now the volume's there, uh, everything's starting to fall into, fall into place. Beautiful. Well, Shanti, I think we'll wrap it up there, my friend. That was some great tips and a great story, and we're really grateful you came on the show thank you for coming to the entrepreneur house and thank you for letting us pick your brain can you tell Thanks, chris yeah can it's you been te- a pleasure can, would you like to share tell the listeners where they can get a hold of you at or find your website uh so you can find me at legal zebra or zebra so that's l-e-g-a-l zebra spelled z-e-b-r-a dot com dot au dot au for australia and uh, you'll find a picture of me and my email. So if you want to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. I'm also happy to give people some guidance if they've got some questions about their business and legal issues. Um, shoot me an email. That's the best place, best place to reach me, Chris. Perfect. Again, thanks a million, Shanti. And we'll sign off here for today. Bye, listeners. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for location-independent entrepreneurs. Imagine spending one month with other successful entrepreneurs building business in the world's most exotic locations. Day-to-day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality about business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those staying in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. For those of you that are interested, be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com website. 
for now. Saludos from somewhere in the world.